Welcome to the Marxist Think Tank podcast, an attempt to look at the world from a class-conscious perspective and to build. I'm Reggie Truman with your look at headlines from around the world. We begin in South America, where Venezuela has apparently foiled an incursion into its territory by what they say was a U.S.-backed invasion attempt last week. President Donald Trump has rebuffed suggestions that the U.S. was behind what appears to have been a bungled incursion. According to Venezuela, a group of terrorist mercenaries landed by boat in the town of Mucato on Sunday. Thirteen people, including two Americans, were arrested and eight armed men were killed. Of course, this is continuation of the saber-rattling between Venezuela and the United States. Whether or not Venezuela is right in saying that this is a U.S. incursion have yet to be seen, but two U.S. citizens being part of this invasion force does indeed lead to suspicions. As if coronavirus wasn't enough, East African countries are now dealing with severe flooding. Hundreds of thousands are displaced, and experts worry that it will be worsened by the spread of COVID-19. Torrential rains triggered devastating floods in Kenya, Uganda, Somalia, Rwanda, and Ethiopia, and once again has forced thousands to flee from their homes. Officials in Kenya and Rwanda say nearly 265 people had died respectively. In addition, Kenya and Uganda suffered nationwide electricity outages, leaving tens of millions of people without power. With money stretched thin due to this worldwide pandemic, it is anyone's guess if there would be any financial support from other countries or aid groups. Suffice to say, the situation in Africa is looking fairly dire. Violence has flared up in Tripoli once again as the civil war continues in Libya. Shelling of Tripoli airport hit fuel tanks and damaged passenger planes after forces loyal to Libya's renegade military commander Khalifa Haftar fired a barrage of rockets into Tripoli. The attack was the latest of several as Haftar's eastern-based forces have been trying to seize Tripoli since April of last year, fighting against the UN-backed government. According to the United Nations, four-fifths of the civilian casualties have been recorded as caused by fighting with the LNA. However, Haftar's fighters have suffered a series of setbacks in recent weeks in their campaign to seize Tripoli, with pro-GNA forces expelling them from two coastal cities west of the capital. However, there is hope that because of the Ramadan season, there will be a cessation of hostilities. Libya has been in turmoil since a NATO-backed uprising toppled Muammar Gaddafi's government and has been in turmoil ever since. Indian police have filed culpable homicide charges against manager of an LG polyamorous factory over a gas leak that killed 11 people. The leak that occurred early on Thursday morning happened in the city of Izak Hapat Nam and was owned by LG Chem, a South Korean company. The dead include four women, two children, and five men. Officials say that many were treated in hospital and have now been discharged, but 120 people are still being treated but are considered stable. The plant was being reopened after the lockdown for COVID-19 that India imposed on all of its population. The investigation is still underway, with many people drawing comparisons to the Bhopal gas leak that killed thousands of people in 1984. The killing of a Georgian jocker, Amuad Arbery, has been rocking the United States with people accusing Georgian authorities of racial terrorism. 
A video emerged this week of white men armed with guns confronting the jogger, who is African-American, showing a struggle with punches thrown and three shots fired and Arbery collapsing dead. People are calling it an extrajudicial killing almost exclusively at the hands of white male vigilantes in order to inflict racial terror on the black population. Coupled with this was the fact that it took more than two months for his pursuers to even be arrested or taken into custody. There have been calls for resignation of local authorities who initially investigated the case and reforms to the Georgian criminal justice system. The incident is a continuation of a very long history of racial terrorism in the United States. And across Europe, celebrations for VE Day have entered their 75th year. In Russia, Victory Day parades were not marked, but flyovers were seen. Berlin has marked the end of World War II with a holiday, some people believing that it should be extended for each year. Leaders of France and Germany laid wreaths at small ceremonies, and the UK held a two-minute silence to honor the war dead. The 75th anniversary of Germany's surrender has been marred by COVID-19 and the rise of fascist elements across the world. I'm Reggie Truman with the Marxist Think Tank Podcast. So we're record there. So, uh, <clears throat> hello, everyone. So, yes, I've got John Beecham here. Uh, John Beecham is the founder and editor of Mass Action Podcast and publication platform. Uh, that's uh, mass-action.org and Mass Action on SoundCloud. Uh, welcome, John. Hey, you know, it's really great to be on. I appreciate you asking me to uh, to join you for a little bit of conversation here. Perfect. No, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so yes, we have. Well, well, you got to you got to wait until we get to the part. Maybe it won't be. We'll see. Hopefully, it'll be a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yes, we, we've brought you on, John, to speak about the uh, Democratic leadership race, uh, the twenty twenty course. You have been covering that, as far as I understand. Uh, yeah. So when did you start covering that? And uh, well, I mean, those uh, the presidential race goes on forever now at this point. I, I can remember, not that old, but I can remember a point in history where it, it really didn't go for that long. But now they almost go almost the entire four years. I mean, you know, they almost start after the last election uh, is over. Mm-hmm. So I've been following this for quite a, quite a while. Um, you know, I've been uh, following the different uh, players in the race, uh, following the politics of it. Um, the presidential election here in the United States is very, very, uh, I mean, it's very, very controlled. It's mm-hmm. very, very much a, a media show, but it does have a big impact uh, upon the population and even the politics of the country. So even those of us who believe in revolution or socialists, or revolutionary socialists, I mean, we still have to be attuned to the the democratic uh, well, the democratic race and the, the race at, at, in general. And, you know, I've been doing that for a, a long time, but I've been specifically concerned about following Joe Biden and highlighting uh, what honestly uh, his history uh, is very, very, very reactionary. Also, you know, I, I mean, the emergence of Bernie Sanders, I disagree with him about a lot of things, but the fact that 
a socialist, a democratic socialist, a very progressive campaign has emerged. Now it's ended, really, for all intents and purposes. Uh, to me, is a very exciting thing because I think, despite whatever our aspirations are and our understanding of politics, mm-hmm. uh, we also have to be attuned to the exact moment we're in. And there's millions of people in the United States, most of the young people, that are very energized to get some changes, and they're very energized by the idea of socialism. So. Mm. I've been paying attention. I even, well, I, you know, I ended up supporting Bernie Sanders and, you know, I even, I went to South Carolina to do some canvassing and reported on the campaign. I, I also went to Iowa and reported on the campaign. Okay, great. That's, that's perfect. So, so you, you've been going to the campaigns, going to the States and, and doing some on the ground work too. Yes, I have. Okay, brilliant. Um, so yeah, you, you, you raised some really interesting points there. So Biden, Sanders, uh, um, so, and also you did say, of course, yeah, that, and I agree with you, these things t- tend to just go on forever. They start almost, as you say, when the last one finishes, it, it we're just in a consistent, continuous, um, election cycle. So, um, in terms of Biden and, and Sanders, uh, and the race, yeah. So how, how did this sort of feel at the start? Cause if in my own memory, and I'm sure you'll be able to explain this a bit more, it did feel, you know, at the beginning, it felt obvious that Biden was going to be the candidate. And then we went into this period where, you know, Sanders and all of these other characters all of a sudden had wiped him out. Well, yeah. Could you elaborate a bit more on that? Well, I can. I mean, the Democratic Party establishment was pushing for Biden uh, in a very traditional sense, in a way. I mean, Biden was Obama's vice president. Obama does have, you know, sort of widespread popularity amongst the population and also amongst the Democratic Party. Biden has wanted to be president for a very long time. He's been in the U.S. Senate, which is traditionally a stepping stone to the president of the United, you know, the office uh, since the since the mid 70s. And the Democratic Party is very interested in for the establishment, replacing Trump with someone who is an establishment figure that can kind of uphold the status quo while not having someone like Trump uh, in the office kind of messing things up for them making them look bad because Trump makes them look bad here, both here domestically and around the world. That's their biggest concern, not really his politics, honestly. Mm. And that's why they would much rather have Trump uh, than Sanders. But Biden is such a bad candidate. Uh, and he, I mean, a- across the board, everything that the majority of Democratic voters want, Democratic Party voters want. And even honestly, even if you're talking about just the general population of working and poor people here in the United States, he has been opposed to those things. In fact, he has such, carried such out- po- What has he been opposed to particularly? Well, I mean, he's been opposed to universal health care. Um, he's been opposed to a just immigration policy. He was he hedged his bet on abortion rights, as a matter of fact. I mean, from the very get-go in the early 70s, when Roe v. Wade made a, uh, abortion a right in this country, mm-hmm. he, he said it went too far. And whenever any policy has come up, he's been super accommodating to the right wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just what he's opposed. Um, it's what he's been for. I mean, the, the, mar- the mass incarceration system here in the United States and the bills that have been passed, the big crime bill in the mid-90s, I mean, he wrote it. I mean, mm-hmm. he's literally responsible for that. For the mass incarceration, for the attack against people of color, black and brown people, the the locking of them up. And he's happy about it. He's always been happy about it. And he was a chief, uh, you know, he was in the Senate during the votes for the Iraq war and the run up to the Iraq war, a war which, you know, had had no justification, was a crime against humanity, ended up, you know, displacing millions and killing millions of Iraqi people, innocent people. 
I mean, he has his name all over that. And one last thing, I mean, he also, he signed legislation over and over again, and people may not know this, you know, and, and this is part of the reason why I, I think people should know it, is that people talk about the wall and every, you know, and Biden's, you know, supposedly against the wall. Bill Clinton's administration built more border fence and militarized uh, the border more than any president in the history of this country. And in fact, started the deportation machine into uh, it was the Democrats who did that. And Biden signed off on all that stuff. He voted for it. He went, he went for it. Um, Post-NAFTA, the Democrats actually led the charge when a lot of people from Mexico and Central America started coming up here to the United States to look for work. It was the Democrats who, who led in states like California who were the first ones to sort of advocate Trumpian policies of closing the border and draconian uh, you know, immigration enforcement mm. in the country. That, that's Joe Biden. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. I see. So you you went for Sanders in the end, and how does Sanders contrast with that? How how is he different to that? Is he massively different to that, or uh, was right. he basically just a softer face of the same stuff? Well, let me qualify that. I mean, I um, I, I um, d- decided to start a, a project called Revolutionary Socialist for Bernie Sanders because of the movement behind him, and what I feel like that means in historical terms. Um, there's lots of different places that a new movement is happening in the United States, Black Lives Matter, uh, the native protests against the pipelines. I don't know if people remember the Occupy movement. There's been a lot of different things that have happened, but also the Bernie Sanders movement, um, in my estimation, is a generally progressive movement that, again, I have lots of disagreements with. I'm, I'm, I'm a revolutionary socialist and, 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 Specifically, you know, in terms of foreign policy mm. and the role of the U.S. in the world, I, I've, I, I differ vastly from Bernie Sanders, and I made this all clear in sort of the launching of the campaign. But nonetheless, I believe the revolutionaries have to find a way to be with an upsurge when it happens—a socialistic, progressive upsurge that wants things like universal health care, equality for immigrants. Uh, the end of mass incarceration, and really so much more. I mean, when I went to the campaign rallies for Bernie Sanders in Iowa and South Carolina and have been watching them online and stuff, I mean, you, I, they are saying things at these rallies, you know, they have a different orientation than I do again, you know, that I've been talking about for decades and decades. Now, ultimately, is Bernie Sanders himself, like, going? was he going to be the leader or or... Was he going to be able to um, necessarily, at the end of the day, always fight? For of course, he hasn't. He's endorsed Joe Biden. Um, you know, no. But in my estimation, the only way to um, be able to help people understand that situation and move them past Bernie Sanders and in a different, more militant direction is to be with them uh, when they are struggling on a mass level. I mean— Millions of people are in motion not every not not every day, and it, and even if it's limited in the sense of the U.S. elections, millions of people, tens of millions of people, were in motion in support of a campaign that is honestly not not that not that much different than you know the the policies that have, were, have been instituted in this country under like you know FDR and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But at this point in history, when the ruling class here has so much more sway and their ideas are so dominant and they get to carry out Democrats and Republicans, the most right-wing policies. 
any point of struggle for me is something I feel like we have to try to intersect with. Definitely. Okay. So you said, um, or perhaps you alluded to the fact that Biden's, ca- uh, sorry, Sanders's campaign has collapsed or ended or more over, um, and he has endorsed Biden. What is going to happen to all of the movement, all of the ideas and all of the mm-hmm. uh, mass that has been generated by his campaign? Do you think it's revolutionary stuff? Is it really going to change things or are people just going to slowly forget? Is it stuff, is it truly going to lead to socialism or um, yeah, right. what's going to happen to all that stuff now that has sure. sort of been whipped up? Sure. We're, we're not on the verge of having a socialist revolution in the United States, um, not as we speak. Um, it could happen in fairly short order, but um, you know something like the pandemic we're going through and all of the other crises that we're facing, um, I mean, they will continue to escalate and they will continue to bring to the fore the need to take things uh, steps further. But in a historical sense, the masses of people have to go through those steps. And the question really is, is what is going to happen? What is going to be available, politically speaking, to the masses of people now that the Bernie Sanders campaign is, ha, has ended? And it's not necessarily like, who are we going to get elected? You know, there's a lot of talk among some people to, um, there's a lot of pressure to vote for Joe Biden. But there's millions and millions of young people like, okay, do I go to the Green Party? Do I go to one of the other socialist parties? And they're all growing right now. Um, you know, what do I do? And this is the this is the point in history where people can actually, you know, and and they have been socialist parties in the United States have been growing exponentially, right? Um, in this period, and certainly some people are going to be demoralized, but some people are going to going to continue to move further and further towards an absolute rejection uh, of the system and, and have that be in an organizational, organizational form. I mean, I think we're at a point of history where that absolutely has to happen. Um, I don't think there's any like, like hundred percent prescription for what uh, will happen, but nonetheless, like that is, that is definitely going to happen. And me personally, like I'm not, I'm not in an organization right now, but the organizational component has to be there, um, and and um, people are searching for it. And I'm also mass action. I mean, we're definitely looking towards trying to figure out and working with others to be like, okay, you know, how do we how do we out of all the people that are energized by um, changing the system and fighting back, um, like, what's our next step? I don't. I don't I, I'm not pessimistic. Do you, have, at all. Do you guys have a yeah, no, no. Do you have have you identified uh, any top contenders or candidates for who to pick for that? Well, they don't exist right now in terms of candidates. I don't think. I mean, um, I think that people are still the biggest thing right now. I'll be totally honest: is that we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Um, and there's only so much that can be done. Everything has to be trained, and all all of the organizations that exist have to be trained on the on the idea of. How do we force our governments if they're not doing the right thing to do the right thing? Mm. Um, and and that fighting engagement can actually lead to a greater a greater and better organizational forms. Like I'll be totally honest. Like I was kind of surprised Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race at the time he did because he was in a place to be able to actually catalyze that. Mm-hmm. He was in a place to actually say, 
okay, we're going to keep fighting. This is how we're going to do it, inside the election or outside the election. Mm. Uh, but instead, he felt the pressure of the Democratic Party. He was, he was incidentally, in talks with like Obama and Biden, like behind closed doors. And there was a lot of pressure on him from the Democratic Party when they were like, hey, this is a pandemic. Let's stop fighting. Mm. You know, and for me, I think that was and I, I've pointed this out all the time. I said my support for Bernie Sanders is con- conditional yes. but because of this very fact, like the, he like w- the question is, is at the right time, will he like fight or continue to be a parliamentarian, a parliamentarian? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is like people <laughs> say, you know, revolutionary reform. I think the biggest thing about Bernie Sanders, actually, is that he has a died in the world parliamentarian a social Democrat who advocates earnestly for policies, but he's like, at the end of the day, you know, we have to like play by the rules. We can't go outside the rules and, and really fight. And that's what needs to happen. I think the biggest thing we need that I could communicate to people is like, why play by the rules? If they pass you know, we're talking about laws or conventionality or if the Supreme court here makes a ruling or whatever. I mean, the whole history of change is not abiding by, 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 uh, by laws that are un- unjust and anti anti working class. That's the whole. Mm-hmm. That's the whole history of moving forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, some really interesting stuff there. But I, I do want to bring uh, just sort of more of a short term perspective to it because I agree that obviously these things take these yeah, years, yeah, yeah. These things take years. Uh, you know, movements have to form, organizations have to be formed, and cadres and various various pieces and parts. Yes. Um, but obviously, I'm sure, as you'll, as everyone who follows any politics will know, there's obviously the, the strong argument of, um, or an argument, I don't know if it's, whether it's strong or not, of uh, if you don't endorse Biden, if you promote a green candidate or a revolutionary socialist or sort of any, mm-hmm. any of these other candidates, whatever their persuasion, that de facto, because you are undermining the progressive or the democratic vote, you are going to put Trump back into office. So mm-hmm. what, what do you say to that thinking, that argument? Well, I mean, you know, I, I obviously do not want Donald Trump to be in charge of anything. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's the worst person to be in charge of the the wealthiest or one of the worst. I mean, you know, not, not that I mean, there's a question of whether he's actually ultimately in charge either. I mean, there's obviously other forces in the government that are very powerful. But obviously, you know, I, I'm with everyone who doesn't want Donald Trump to be president. Um, but let's think about this. At this time of the environmental crisis, white supremacy is on the rise. There's confrontation between major powers. We have a global pandemic. And the U.S. United States establishment is giving us the choice between Joe Biden, Donald Trump, pointing a gun to our head and said, you have to choose Joe Biden if you're a progressive person and you don't like Donald Trump or don't want Donald Trump. I mean, we, we've already gone over some of the things Joe Biden has his, you know, has his stamp on. I mean, by the way, he also worked hand in glove with segregationists in the 70s and 80s to really bring a halt to the civil rights movement here from a parliament, from a you know legislative perspective. He was against busing. He was against he was against desegregation. And literally, I mean that's his history. And so, if you have these two people, I, I literally say, and I'll make this uh, I'll make this kind of like almost in a way I I, I won't even I'll say it as a thing where it's a definitive action, like. Don't vote for Joe Biden or Donald Trump. What could be more important at this point in history to say that you reject those two horrible reactionary candidates and you want something else? 
Mm-hmm. I'm being totally serious. I mean, I actually even circulated a petition through mass action just recently saying, don't vote for Joe, Joe Biden. Like, voting for, like, on a dying planet, mm-hmm. at, at a dying planet uh, that's suffering a pandemic, a vote for Joe Biden is, um, you know, like a death sentence. Well, I'm overstating it by saying a death sentence. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, how is voting for Joe Biden helpful? And let me, let me say it one other way. So let's say everyone who votes in the 2020 is yeah 2020 election here in the United States votes for either Joe Biden or Donald Trump and nobody votes for anybody else. Well, I think about that for a second. That would mean that there was not one person who went to the polls in the United States who was like, you know, I reject these two characters who 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 are who are emblematic of the worst decades of capitalist austerity and imperialist aggression and and the ramping up and revitalizing of racism and anti-immigrant sentiment here at home what what would that mean i mean i actually think it's very imperative that people resist as much as possible right now and and it's not the be all and end all but certainly let's have a protest vote mm-hmm. You know, vote for a Green Party candidate, vote for there are socialist parties that are running candidates here in the United States. You know, Um, other candidates will emerge most. I mean, hopefully. Um, But again, to your question, I mean, yes, there's going to be a whole lot of pressure to vote for Joe Biden. There's going to be a lot of people who are very warm and progressive people in their hearts. are going to vote for Joe Biden to those people. I would also say, like, you know. I'm not going to get in your face or in your grill. I understand you're under a lot of pressure, but I'm just going to say to people like, like I don't think it's a good thing to vote for, for, for Joe Biden at this, at this point in history. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's continue to work together post-election, pre-election, whatever. Let's fight together. Let's struggle. System's right. got to go. Yeah. Well, perhaps if we could give people an idea of, of, of a point of starting to consider struggling against this, uh, and you have, if I'm not mistaken, use the term democratic establishment. So to get perhaps give people a, a stepping stone to start for that struggle thinking. Um, the idea of a democratic establishment. Uh, mm. So what is that and how much of a role does it really play? Uh, how have you seen it taking place in the, in, the, in the caucuses and during this race? Oh, the Democratic Party established has done everything they can to defeat Bernie Sanders and, and more, more than that, the movement behind him. Um, with with the media, um, their, with their own party, with with how they've carried out their votes. I mean, in Wisconsin during the pandemic, um, the Democratic Party until the very late hours decided to let an in-person vote go ahead. All the other states that had primaries on the day, and I can't remember them. There was like three or four others had canceled their primaries. But Wisconsin was like, "We're going to go ahead. We're going to go ahead because you know we're going to keep the pressure up." On you know we're going to keep the pressure up on Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. right? Um, just despicable. And Joe Biden was like, "Go out and vote." Joe Biden was basically like, mm, "I know that there's a pandemic. If you're around people, you might catch a pandemic and die, mm-hmm. but go out and vote." Bernie Sanders, and I think this is part of the reason why I dropped out. I mean, Bernie Sanders didn't mobilize his get out the vote on for Wisconsin. He's like, "We're not going to do anything." You know, I mean, please, you know, they, 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 because they didn't want to endanger people's lives. Mm-hmm. That's the Democratic Party establishment to a T. 
They went all out. They have billionaire capitalist backers to the hilt, right? In fact, you know, more of the billionaires. Which, which billionaire backers uh, actually? Um, which one of which ones of them back Biden specifically? Which financial oh, interests? Are oh backing my goodness! Off? Oh my goodness! You're putting me on the spot. Um, I, I have not researched that. I've not looked into that. But I will tell you that the you know people like the owner of you know Google and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think Zuckerberg is actually giving money to the Republicans, but you know, people like that, there, there's billionaires, Warren Buffett, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a backer of Biden, but he's definitely a democratic supporter. You know, a lot of, a lot of Hollywood moguls, a lot of Silicon Valley moguls, uh, and others, um, you know, contribute a great deal, um, you know, to Joe Biden's campaign. He has the backing of various pharmaceutical, you know, um, entities and, mm-hmm. and lots of, lots of others. I mean, he, uh, has, you know, you know, dozens of, of billionaires as, as fiscal backers. Um, and, and, you know, the Democratic Party, that's that's who they're beholden to because that's where the money has traditionally come from. And, you know, Bernie Sanders is kind of outside of the establishment. Um, he, was ra- he was raising his own money. Mm. You know? mm. So his, his contributions, uh, as far as you can see, are his funding and backing was from members, from supporters. Oh, it's totally. It was just from working in poor people, for the most part. I mean, you know, others gave. Um, you know, they didn't take any. They didn't take any support or money from what's called super PACs. You know, I mean, these entities that have the right to like raise and spend endless money. I mean, Bloomberg had Bloomberg had Michael Bloomberg when he was viable for like a week or whatever, and the media made him viable. Really, um, he had one funder, and it was himself, and he gave himself like four hundred billion dollars. I mean, four hundred. No, it can't be 400 million. Sorry, 400 billion. That's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, if there are any final thoughts from you, uh, John, I mean, this has been really interesting for me. Uh, but yes, do you, do you have any final thoughts on all of this and where it's going to go and where it's going to take us? And any suggestions for, <clears throat> pardon, any suggestions for, for working people or progressives listening across the world? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I don't know where the U.S. elections are going to go. I, I, I would say that they're very important. People around the world should pay attention to them and have an understanding of them. Um, people in the U.S. should have, you know, like figure out a path, a political path uh, through them. But I, I think the most important thing is, honestly, the people of the world, the working people of the world uh, need to struggle independently, build, build um, um, stronger international links. And in the struggle against, I would say primarily, primarily, we haven't talked about this much, but primarily against the United States empire. Mm-hmm. Um, without that struggle, we can clearly see that in the pandemic. I mean, who has been the worst at the pandemic? Who, who could have done more and, and has done the worst? It's the United States. And it's not just Trump. I mean, that's just an entire political system and social system of the richest country in the history of the world doesn't fail at something like this miserably at the cost of many, many lives because of one person. Um, it, it's a, it, the, the U.S. dominance of the world all for the benefit of a tiny ha- handful of capitalists and all of the, the pain and suffering that ensues. I mean, you know, the United States actually is escalating its bombing of Somalia, like one of the poorest countries in the world with no central government. Which, by the way, the United States has a huge role in having destroyed the Somali, Somali government and society. 
and they're escalating the bombing and the United States is attacking Venezuela and China. You should see the stuff in the news here about China. It's just ridiculous. They're, they're, they're blaming China for the epidemic when China, I mean, you're there in China. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like, I, 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 my, my heart just feels so, uh, huge when i when i and i have i've read so many of the reports and seen so many documentaries about what the chinese people have done to combat the virus and all the sacrifices they have made what a disgusting system that would go after china at this time Mm -hmm. like that that is something that i think that is something actually at the end of the day i think we can all rally around i think if working people here really and i do i i show some of the stuff to my students i'm a college teacher and and they see what the chinese people have done and they're just like oh my gosh why haven't why hasn't anybody told us why do they keep saying that china has something to do is china's a problem you know i mean china 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 is the future and the rest of us are we all are but i mean come on the u.s is not the future the united states empire is not the future Definitely. Okay. Well, thank you very much, John. I agree with a lot with what you say, and uh, it has been brilliant to have you on here. Thank you so much. It has been brilliant to be on, my friend. <laughs> thank you, John. Brilliant. Thank you. All right. And that is it for this episode of the Marxist Think Tank. Catch us every other week here on SoundCloud. To allow us for our reporting and our content to remain independent, please consider donating to our Patreon and becoming a voting member in the link down below in the description. If you have a news tip or would like to talk to us, please email admin at marxistthinktank.org. Our editor is Sean Sanchez. News writer and producer is Reggie Truman. And I'm Oscar Bastille. Thank you for listening.